Hey guys, welcome back to episode 36 of Why We Still Awake. You got your co-hosts Tyler and Anton here, and today we got a special guest, one of our high school friends, Luke. Hello. Welcome, Luke. Oh, what's going on, guys? Thank you for bringing me on. Um, excited, to, excited to chat. Of course, of course. You know, I I hadn't heard from Luke in a couple months, and then um, about a month ago, right before we left for Hawaii, he was up in a discord and we were chatting he's like get me to the top of that guest list for why are we still awake so you know we go way back so we had to get him to the top of the list and here he is and we're excited to have him yeah i appreciate the vip treatment of course of course so what have you been up to uh over what kind of time span i mean like we can go with the pandemic because i I saw you right before the pandemic oh yeah that's right and then maybe the month later everything kind of like went to hell and um, yeah, I guess like I moved out of my parents' house from Palo Alto, moved up to the windy city of San Francisco, uh, chilling in a, a little sleepier of a neighborhood, but, um, yeah, just kind of like posted up here, left what my old job around September, found a new one, started that a few months later, but, and the work aside, I just kind of like, uh, climb whenever I can, like all, mainly outdoors. Uh, hang out with the homies, you know, I've been trying to write and like watch a lot of movies. Um, and yeah, just kind of rinse and repeat that. Wow. Okay. So there's a lot I think we want to unpack and like catch up with you on. So first, let's start with the city. So what neighborhood do you live in? And like, how are you liking that? Yeah, I'm in uh, Rincon Hill. Oh, which nice. is, okay. yeah, a couple blocks away from Embarcadero. So I can, I, I'm, so if you know where the Bay Bridge is, like my, my building is directly adjacent to the Bay Bridge. Like it's like, if you go on the rooftop, the Bay, like you can see the cars going by eye level. So <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty cool spot. Yeah, no, it's, that's a great spot. My office is actually like right there when we were going into office, I could see the Bay Bridge. So that would be, I should come stay. Cause that would be like, I could walk to work. Dude, yeah, like we got so many sleeping accommodations here, like two extra mattresses, a couple of couches, like a million blankets. <laughs> Wait, you know, who are you open door policy for the homies. Who are you living with, Luke? Uh, just my my uh, good friend from UCLA. Okay. Nice, go Bruins. But you guys got oh, mad bro. space. Yeah, we. I wouldn't call it mad space, but like we we got enough space for to host a few people. You got space for Tyler. Yes, sir. Oh, for sure. Tyler, Anton, throw in some other, like Dylan, get in here. Like, that's awesome. That's that's a good neighborhood because it's like a balance between like not being too active, but still being close to stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I, it's close to a lot of like work-related things. And yeah. I guess what's nice is like you can walk to the farmer's market, the ferry building. It takes like 10 minutes to walk there. But I will say there's a couple of lacking aspects. You know, I, I prefer if we're closer to like uh, – more like San Francisco culture, I'd say. Because if you go to different areas like the Mission or like Lower Hay or Panhandle, those places are kind of like small pockets of different communities in the city. So uh, my lease is ending pretty soon. So I'm thinking about just kind of going over there and seeing what those areas have to offer. Seems mm-hmm. a bit more exciting than like I go outside and there's like this, these size skyscrapers surrounding me. And <laughs> I, I just like walk to the water, the same thing every day. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a pretty quiet neighborhood. Are you looking at specifically like the mission or you mentioned a couple, but you have one in mind? Yeah, probably like Panhandle area close to um, close to Golden Gate Park. Oh, nice. Okay. Kind of like around Coal Valley and that area. That's, yeah, that's a great yeah. area. And you can get some like 
pretty nice like actual houses and stuff too if you want like less apartment living which is pretty cool yeah exactly like the housing situation is a little more like i wouldn't call it suburban but it's definitely a little less like less luxury apartment feel and more like more homely and even outside of that there's like a bunch of different types of stores and shops and markets and whatnot that you can you can check out a lot more like art and community happening there than down here in embarcadero for sure for sure that's awesome shelby do you have any more questions for him yeah wait is that is the housing market like pretty nice for the renters right now it's pretty like friendly to the renters uh yeah i need to double check because i think like even now people are getting really good covid deals so mm-hmm. uh, i'm gonna start looking in a month and i can like definitely let you know but as of right now i'm like my hunch is that it's still quite friendly to renters yeah, that's good to hear because I think, Tyler, you said you're looking to move also at some point. Yeah, I think the boys are looking for like a midsummer date. So I think the deals will still be pretty good through then, to be honest, like before everything really opens up. And, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people aren't rushing back to the city, you know, whether it's because they have tech jobs or um, any other job that lets them kind of work from anywhere. I've heard that like not a lot of people are rushing back. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens once everyone's kind of vaxxed up and how that goes. Yeah, I think a lot of people are like similar to how I think about it. Like, <clears throat> like COVID's definitely opened the door for like, like a more digital nomad kind of lifestyle. And yeah. even after, like, I was also considering when my lease ends in like end of May to just kind of bounce around different parts of the of, of the country, even so, spend a little bit of time like going up and down like the coast. Or spend some time in Tahoe to go climbing outdoors for a while. The, while the temps are really good, and then um, maybe spend some time on the East Coast. Like just having that flexibility is, affords a lot of options. Wow! Yeah, you should definitely do that. I highly recommend. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly thinking about it. Even like Hawaii. Like, yeah. My roommate yeah. has been a couple of times already, and he's definitely amassed a, a good friend circle over there. So I'm trying to like tap into that. You know, be part of like a local community and whatnot. Um, yeah, well, I still have the luxury to do so. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I think it's a, it is a unique time that digital nomad kind of lifestyle is like something that I never really anticipated having, um, with my career path, but it's something that I guess maybe a positive that came out of, you know, COVID. So that sounds awesome. Um, okay. So the next part let's unpack is the career. So you mentioned like you started a new job your previous, you had a previous job, like what did that look like and uh, what caused the switch, I guess? Yeah, definitely. Um, huh, how, do, how do I phrase this without like being too savage? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say there's some, uh... <laughs> um, I think there are a couple of things. One thing is like the company I used to work at was headed down a good path and i think there there's a lot of opportunities still to be had there but i think personally i wanted to like learn something new and like just build different types of like products and the last company i worked on uh, i worked at like the entire product is around surrounding like selling infrastructure as as its main service so everyone inside is like very technical everyone inside like knows the infrastructure side very well but um i think like I've done, I did that for almost two years and I felt like I wanted to switch to different, just like to work on more product related things, just to try something new, like learn, learn a new stack and work with different people and actually like think about, um, like building a business instead of kind of operating on a team and 
working that like corporate lifestyle. Sure. Like a kind of like a, a higher altitude picture, more macro perspective and like fitting yourself in as um, like a software engineer, right? Like more. Yeah. That, that, that's one side of it. It's like, um, I was, I was getting close to those opportunities at my old job, but <clears throat> I think that I wanted to go to a smaller company and I wanted it to, like, I think my, my perspective on engineering has changed recently or mm-hmm. over the last year. And like, instead of saying like, like, like I want to call myself the most like passionate engineer, you know, like, like technical problems don't really invigorate me as much as other things, mm-hmm. as much as like thinking through difficult problems and like, <clears throat> like building something like the act of creating is a lot more um, <clears throat> enticing and, and, like that gets me going in the morning, but like the old job was kind of like the drudgery of, you know, just like writing code, doing these tickets, like, Oh, maybe you understand the business impact. Maybe you don't. But like, I felt like as the company started to grow, it, it became a lot more uh, too corporate for my taste. And, um, throughout college, I worked at a series of, of smaller startups and those were always fun because you get to like do a lot of discovery. You get to do a lot of thinking about the, like where, how you can leverage engineering as or like software, writing software as, a tool to move the business forward instead of like, oh yeah, I'm like an engineer and that's like all I want to do. It's a, uh, it felt quite stifling at some point. So going, um, like looking for other opportunities at smaller, uh, smaller companies is uh, on, on my radar in, the, in the last fall. So, and then in November I joined a, like a small series B company and I would say I'm pretty happy. Can you share like what your company kind of does and what maybe your role is as well? My new one? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, sure. So right now I work at this company called TrueWork and uh, we focus on being like the go-to for your employment and income verification. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's like <laughs> honestly not the most glamorous company, but uh, I, I think I, I'm uh, in, in terms of like a successful businesses, like these, <clears throat> TrueWork is, is like an enterprise business. We do like deals with large mortgage, like mortgage providers that need to outsource this like one, one like uh, facet of their operations. And traditionally, like you go through either like HR providers or like Aquafactor or something like that. And these guys like barricade the data super, super rigidly and they like charge up the ask for it. So instead you can do, you can approach like this, the market a different way or like not just verification, like income employment verification. You can think about like, um, like the identity space as a whole, like what happens when you just enable a lot of people to access like, like up to date, uh, valid employment history or just like any kind of like personal information. So you can apply that to like a getting a loan or you can apply that to um, <clears throat> like background checks and whatnot. And I think there's a lot of opportunity in this company. And my role is, I'm just an, I'm just an engineer as well. Uh, I didn't change horizontally to like product or anything like that. I just kind of <clears throat> write more code, but on a different like level of the stack. Sure. That sounds like a great opportunity. And at the very least, you sound super excited about it. So that's always a good place to be for your job. You know, it's not something that everybody feels, but that's awesome that you found like a better place. I had a question about where you see yourself kind of down the road. Do you see yourself more in a product or business role and maybe writing less code day to day? Is that something you'd be interested in? Maybe more schooling or kind of transitioning over to that side rather than the engineering side so heavily? Yeah. To be honest, like I want to leave the tech industry altogether in the next few years. Like, um, I'm actually pretty vocal about this on my blog, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I want to go on and be a filmmaker. I, I, I don't want to write code or think about like startup related things as much, uh, in, in the next few years. 
Wow. Okay. So that, like, I think we huge. Did, yeah, huge that's news. a huge news. So I think there's a lot there. Like, okay, let's start off with the the blog. Let's hear some self promotion and kind of what's on that. Because I, I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't even know you were blogging. So. Me neither. Very casual. I, I got I got a few posts I still need to, uh, to upload, but um, yeah, it's just lukechewy.com, and you can find just like I, I write these like random ad hoc posts about either small projects or like weekend initiatives and stuff. Um, yeah, super bare bones, <laughs> but it's just a place to like public, like publicly release uh, my some, I guess, like writing content. <laughs> How like frequently do you post and and share things? Oh, quite infrequently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. It's maybe like once a month I'll upload something. Okay, yeah. All right, we'll take a look. Do you, yeah. do you find that you're like getting better at expressing yourself through writing and like improving that way, even just doing it like once a month? Oh yeah, definitely. Like I try to write like a few times a week uh not not really for my blog but for um like other things i want to do sure and but yeah the things that i put on my blog is like those are honestly more like recaps of my life you know some people like to put it on their instagram or twitter like i'll just write a little more long form i want to call them like essays or anything i'm just like like uh at most like 500 to a thousand words about something cool that i did uh or something i want to share like uh like the recent one that was like a little lengthier was like uh for things last thanksgiving i hosted this small like uh like food and wine pairing for my friends like a little fansgiving and then i wrote about the entire process so just like things like that very cool so do you do you think you do it more you know for the betterment of yourself and to kind of self-reflect on what you um are doing with your life or do you think it's more um something you like to share and less self-reflective and more like hey guys this is what i'm doing check it out like I thought it was cool and maybe you will too. Yeah, a little bit of both. Like part of it's is uh like an introspective effort. Like to write these things, you get to like think about what you did and think about like, oh, that was really fun or that sucked, or um <clears throat> just like the entire experience. And part of it's also like, oh, maybe some people will find that uh find my blog and find it interesting. Cause there there are a couple of pages, or there's one about page that kind of goes through um <clears throat> like my background and some of like my S tier rankings on certain things. And it also has like random <laughs> questions I, I post for the world. And people have actually, maybe like once every two weeks, I get like a DM on Twitter about, oh, like I've been thinking about something similar. So it's cool to kind of ha- see that, that inbound traffic coming as well. Is it all like written or do you do like pictures and like videos and stuff like that too? It's mainly written, but there's like some supplementary, you know, photos. Mm-hmm. So when you say that, like you're getting like, active engagement are these people that you know or are they like complete strangers like actively engaging like i'll say 70 percent uh people who i know and 30 percent uh just random people that's that's awesome because i think like one of the like coolest parts about this podcast is getting feedback from both people we know and don't know i don't think we've really gotten that much from people we don't know but i feel like that's almost the like most engaging cool part about producing any kind of content is getting any kind of feedback and so that's something i've really liked from this process and just like doing it for fun and it sounds like your blog's a lot like that and giving you a lot of um or like filling that space which is really cool and you seem to get way more engagement from strangers so that's cool (laughs) yeah it's quite validating it's like yeah one on one on one hand validating because like oh you're putting in a lot of work to write and you're putting a lot of work to like to post this thing semi-regularly. But on the other hand, it's like, oh, like people, there are people out there in the world that 
uh, want to think and talk to you about the things that you're passionate about, whether it's like a random metaphysical question or it's like, oh, like, I just want to say that's I read this and it was cool. <laughs> it's kind of encouraging. Yeah, no, it's super, super um, rewarding, I think. And and it's almost unexpected, you know, even unexpected in that, like, even if like one or two people respond, that feels like good or I've always felt good. Um, I'm actually on your blog right now. I wanted to check it out. So I have some <laughs> questions specifically about your S tier rankings of fast food items. <laughs> oh, for sure. So oh. I'm pretty like passionate about fast food items. And could you elaborate on the BK chicken fries? It's just like the like long chicken strips, right? Dude, bro. Like if, if you haven't had chicken fries, oh, dude, they're like a little bit spiced and they come like nine in a pack and they're just, they're like, like they're so good. <laughs> so is the meat like real chicken or is it like the ground chicken that's in a nugget? Oh, like ground chicken. And then it's breaded with some kind of like BK flavor and it, it, it's just dank. <laughs> okay. No it. I, I've seen wow. the advertisements, but that's very strong praise for so many different chicken places out there. I, I don't even know where the closest BK is to us anymore, but I'm going to have to go try those. Yeah. I don't know if there is one down there. <laughs> Um, hmm. yeah, but uh, it sounds like a great choice for the fast food items, and I love that you have that there. Um, because I'm super that's super exciting for me, dude. Hell yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's jump to the next thing that I'm like super curious about that we were kind of talking about last time and that you've mentioned a little, but um, let's talk about the screenwriting deal. Oh, so, sure. I guess first, like, how did you get into it? where did you start? Um, and then we can go from there. Yeah. I think like, uh, I don't even know where to begin. Like, I guess growing up, like the the canned colorful answer that you tell interviewers like, Oh yeah. Like I've always loved, you know, like really awesome stories and I kind of want to tell my own blah, blah, blah. But, um, like, I think there's something very, uh, like deeply human about the act of storytelling or just like, sure. Or just like, thinking about your life and portraying it in like a very creative way or or, like just telling people something and seeing their response and kind of like communicating that way. Even though like when you write, it's oftentimes like a one directional thing, but um, either writing and also listening and experiencing stories is is really beautiful. So I think over the last couple of years, like this interest, uh, my interest in film has definitely ballooned (laughs) greatly. And uh, I've had a couple of really good friends of mine who are current filmmakers. And um, it's just like whenever I help out with them or whenever I like proofread their stuff or whenever I just like just like watch a movie together, it's 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 super inspiring. And uh, at some point, I want to go and like try my hand at it as well. And but unfortunately, given that there's like I, I have a job and I have like other responsibilities, having it as a side hobby and just like writing whenever I can is uh, is definitely a start for me. Are there any like films that you've seen recently or in the past that kind of like inspired you to like become like a screenwriter or maybe oh, just like inspired sure. your style or anything like that? Dude, definitely. I think um, I'm not one to write like horror or um, like sci-fi or anything like anything tricky like that. Like, I think a lot of the writing I want to do slash have done focus a lot about like 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 relationships between people and like very very deeply humanist. And so the character, like the, the movies that I really enjoy watching are extremely character driven. 
And some people like like the really bombastic like Michael Bay or Marvel movies, like oh like this, it's like there's a good explosion and these superheroes are punching each other. But I think what, uh, I, I in my in my opinion, you can the best usage or the best way to like to to leverage film as a medium or like video as a medium is to kind of like portray like subtleties in the ordinary, I guess. And um, a lot of the writing that I, f- I do is focuses on these, t- like a set of characters interacting with each other, whether it's very explicitly or implicitly. It's like, I really, I really enjoy thinking about that. Like what ties these people together? Is it like the moral, is it like their set of morals? Is it like, um, <clears throat> like who are they as people? Like what happens when you put them in different situations? And yeah, I, I just love thinking about that. And like my S tier S tier ranking movies are uh, <laughs> kind of have the same theme as I was talking about just now. Like that's super like deep. I feel like just kind of reflecting on a lot of the human experience. So I guess my first question is: Do you think you draw more from your own life and your own personal experience to kind of develop your characters and develop, you know, storylines and everything? Or is this like a really creative exercise where you're kind of stepping out and like maybe even developing characters that are the opposite of you or ones that aren't like the people in your life, I guess. Do you think you fall towards one or the other? Uh, I want to say I have like a tendency towards one or the other. Like the first screenplay I wrote um, was about like, it started off as like a, a thought exercise about um, like like inflection points of your relationship with your parents. And eventually it kind of morphed into an introspective effort where I, it was very reflective for me. Like what, what is my current relationship with my parents and how to like different um, <clears throat> like major like major moments in your life affect that. And so uh, to some degree, it was like, uh, yes and no. Like, uh, I do draw a lot from myself, but I also like to look at other people or get inspired by books or like, or pictures or other shorts or movies that I watch too. Wow. That's, that's interesting. And I guess that makes sense. You know, it, it wouldn't be so one dimensional where it's only one side or the other. So I think that mix makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Some directors are more interested, like more and more, um, what we call auteurs, which are, um, artists who draw a lot from their personal experiences, but um, some some like filmmakers, screenwriters are a little bit in between, and some on on the opposite end, where they just like have such a crazy expansive imagination, and you, like, you definitely see that through their work. Interesting. I, I feel like that's that's particularly intriguing to me because I've like never that creative of a person. So I think if I did jump into that space, I would always be pulling from my own experiences in my own life without even recognizing it. So. It's interesting that some people are totally on the other side of the spectrum. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Like, like J.K. Rowling, who wrote Lord of the Rings, like, who's... Like, <clears throat> what, did she write Lord of the Rings? Oh, no. That's Harry Potter. <clears throat> Tolkien was like, dude, how, how do you think of that shit? Like, for <laughs> the people who write Star Wars, like, how, how in the world do you think about this, like, <clears throat> infinite universe? I'm like, that's crazy to me. Yeah, and, like, they develop every detail of it, right? Like, Like, world building. It's so robust, and there's so much lore behind it that it's actually, like, shocking that they can create enough and think of all these different situations and people and how they all interact with each other that I just could never imagine doing that, and it's wild. So maybe maybe that's why I'm not, like, a, you know, billionaire author like J.K. Rowling. (laughs) (laughs) True. But... 
more so now into the actual like screenplays what i i guess i'm just unfamiliar with the process is that like the screenplay writing process is that like writing just out the script or like storyboarding at all or like what does that consist of and what are your um shorts or screenplays like like length and how do you envision them i guess yeah for sure i think everyone every writer has a different approach some people are more like methodical where they where they storyboard or they think about like they, they like <clears throat> they think about like oh what does this person embody or like what's like the setting here what's their background and then they kind of build from there some people like to think about it as like a plot they're like oh i want to <clears throat> talk about this type of story i want to talk about like um there's this villain and like the villain does these things or something like that. And then like they can construct a narrative that way. But at least for me, when I, my stuff is a lot more uh, character driven. So I think about like the, what like each character represents. And I think about um, what the, what these people are going to do and how do these actions um, tell them, or tell the audience more about the character. And like the writing is only one side of it, but like I, I kind of use the writing to envision, like help me picture what I want to, how I want to, showcase it um when i actually decide to shoot one of my shorts but <laughs> um, my, my my process is pretty ad hoc it's like i, I write a couple of scenes and I, I write it like a little bit about the character i think about it i go for a walk i like draw it out even a couple of scenes in my head and like in my notebooks and then i just go from there um and eventually like if you write enough scenes about the same kind of theme you can start to stitch them together and you see like oh there's a flow between these two scenes or if I want to connect like a few of these moments together, what do I got to do to do like, how, how can I do that? And uh, mine's more like an inside out approach. And yeah, like it, I don't know if it's the best for me, but it, it's, that's what I've been doing so far. But like, I'm always changing it up. I'm always saying like, um, maybe I should start with the, the first scene or maybe I should start with the last scene or maybe I should start like write the entire plot out. Like who knows? Like it really, it really depends on like, what I want out of the out of the writing, I guess, and um, yeah, just I'm pretty flexible. I just kind of see where the where it takes me. Wow. So if I'm like understanding correctly, a lot of times you're not even writing out scenes chronologically. You're following kind of like a bigger picture theme, and then creating scenes, and then figuring out how they would all work in a story. Is that kind of yeah, like- definitely. That's that's closer. I think like okay. yeah, I think about it like what what is the message of the film like sure. what, what do i want to how do i want to how do i envision my audience feeling at the end of this or during it even uh-huh and yeah so uh i don't know i, I after i figure out what i want to say like the the overall overarching themes like some people like to think about like little motifs or some people say like, oh this character is going to do these things and it's going to do it's going to show this but like as you start to write it it's everything starts to change a lot too like like I finished my first one last December and it took me like six months to write it. And I scrapped the first two versions of it just completely. Mm-hmm. And, but actually I only, I kept one scene because that was like the entire essence of what I wanted to say. And I just kind of slowly built more and more around that, around that feeling. And eventually I got somewhere where um, I, I was content with it. So when you started then, did you like watch a lot of different films and like read a lot of different, like, screenplays to like get an idea of where to go with it or did you just kind of sit down and start writing all of a sudden uh it's a little bit of both i think like um my my writing is a bit uh spastic which i i I feel like i want to calm down a little like i need to be a little more consistent with with uh like how much content i'm I'm putting out 
or how much like how many how many pages I'm writing, let's say. But yeah, like other other pieces of writing, whether it's screenplays, novels, um, <clears throat> films, and stuff, are always supplementary. And like, uh, I, I try not to pick out things that are like too different, I guess, or it's just like a, more things you can learn. Yeah, you know? uh, like draw inspiration from. Okay, this might be a stupid question, but it's been on my mind. So, like, when you say you like write out a scene, is that like? I imagine, or like when I picture screenwriter, I think like a script, but like is writing out a scene, obviously it's so much more than that. Is that like setting the situation or like, what does that, like the actual mechanics of that look like for you? Yeah, for sure. So like when you, when you write out a scene, you have obviously like your setting and then you can have some, some amount of exposition. It really depends on uh, the writer sure. slash director. Uh, and then you have um, your dialogue. Um, if there is dialogue, I guess. <laughs> And it really depends. So, like, the scene is like a, a written breakdown of what the movies, what at least like what you envision the movies gonna look like at the moment. Okay. And obviously, when you go out and shoot it, um, there's a lot of you know like creative liberties you got to take on like that you got to like make decisions on the fly. And um, but like the for most people, I'll say like the screenplay is just like a guide as a guide rail for what the the movie is gonna be. But it has every every single breakdown to it. It has like this, there's like one scene that say like we're in like my apartment, but let's say there's, there's a short film of, of like me going biking. So there would be one scene that says, oh, like I wake up in my apartment and then it cuts to like the bathroom and then it like cuts to like me grabbing my bike. And then there's like, you, you would describe like, oh, there's like a long shot of me biking down a barcadero. And then there's like, you can say in the expose that there's like moments where he looks around either very content with the weather and then eventually he bikes back after, after breaking a sweat, you know, like. So you can be as detailed or like as undescriptive as you want, but for the most, like, I kind of strive for a little bit in the middle. So when I share the work with other people, I don't gotta say exactly what I'm thinking. I, I want to, I want the film to look like. Yeah. And, yeah. So some some directors or some writers who also direct their their writing, um, they some people like write almost nothing. They they write just like an outline of what they want to do, <laughs> uh-huh. and then they gather the actors to be like, okay, let's like write this dialogue on the fly. Okay. We're going to, we're going to sit down tomorrow, spend a week writing this, and then we're going to shoot it the next week. All right, good. Okay, cool. Like they, they work with their entire team and their staff and other actors to kind of build this together. Uh-huh. Uh, some directors like to, um, they're a bit ambiguous with what, with what, uh, with their writing, but at least they have all the dialogue and like the, the structure of the narrative they want to tell. And, um, then when they start filming it and when they eventually edit it, they like, fill in the gaps themselves like that's when they say oh i want it to look like this oh we should like put in a shot here like um but like the the screenplay is just like kind of kind of like the skeleton of of the film yeah okay that's that's probably where you know directors differentiate themselves a lot right some i'm sure find that they have that kind of camera genius where they can write very little in the screenplay and then kind of ad hoc everything and i know a lot of actors ad hoc scripts pretty often and i think that happens a lot more than i even knew so Mm -hmm. that's that's a interesting perspective that i think if you're outside the movie business and or like don't write actively like you're not um in tune with i like i can't imagine just like going super bare bones and not going into shooting with like any or a lot of description on the shots and everything. So for you, since you're somewhere in between, 
um, how do you think you're going to fare with actually like putting one of these into production and, you know, dictating all the shots and directing all that? Like, is that something you've had experience with from like a technical camera perspective or is that something you're also going to be learning slash have you done any of that yet? Oh, definitely, definitely a learning experience for me. Like, so one of my goals for this year is to, to, uh, put out some video content publicly. Okay. And ideally it's going to be a short that I, that I write. And I've, I've some friends who are willing to help me and like kind of get me off the ground, but, um, I've done, I've done, I've been doing photography for photography for a little bit. So I kind of know how to operate a camera, but it's, it's very different when you need to put everything into like a film, you know, it's just, absolutely it's just like, like framing or like the composition, not just like the photography aspect, but it's also like, who am I going to cast? Like, um, how are we going to actually shoot this? You know, like the, the, like the actual like shot location or, uh, like the, the post-production and what, what goes down there, you know, there's all these other elements that I'm slowly beginning to learn as well that hopefully I can put together by the end of the year. Yeah. It seems like, like screenplay writing and like directing are like almost two different skill sets completely. Like, is there one area that you're like more interested in or is it like the whole process that you're like trying to, trying to get into? Oh, definitely the whole process. Like eventually I do want to direct, you know, larger, larger projects, but I'm going to start with writing because I think writing is cool <laughs> and then slowly um, add more, add more skills on. Yeah. I, I feel like it's like a lot more accessible also to be able to just write like in your home. You don't have to go out and like get a whole like crew or like some actors and like practice anything like that. It's, it's a lot more doable at home. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I have total control. I can just like open my laptop and start writing. Or I can like get my pen and paper and start writing. You know, like if I ever have an idea, I can put it down and think about like how I want to tell a story. Because at the end of it, at the end of the day, it's like I just want to tell awesome stories that are like very unforgivingly me. And I think film is the most effective way of doing that. So um, it, it start. I'll say it starts with the writing. Do you, Do you have like your film in mind that you want to create for this year? Uh, that's still in, in, uh, in progress, but I have, I have a couple ideas that I want to talk about or that I want to like just write about <laughs> shoot. Yeah. I honestly, I think the coolest part about your goals towards this is taking it from start to finish. You know, I think Shelby brought up a good point that, you know, screenwriting or at least in Hollywood screenwriting, directing, even the post-production, all the editing and everything that's always looked at. Um, as very separate, discrete jobs. But the best part about trying to figure out all those and learning all those steps on your own is that as a one-man show, you can really put into production anything you want. And I think that's super powerful. And I think there's so much learning there that that well-roundedness, I think, will be really cool. Yeah, exactly. Every skill kind of adds on top of each other. It's like the sum is much greater than like his individual parts. So... Yeah, it's also really fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah I just go out and try new things and just like, just, you know, do cool stuff, like make something. Yeah, that's, I think, one of the most rewarding parts of like producing a video or even a picture is that you have this thing like forever to reflect back on. And not only is having that forever the cool part, the the better part, in my opinion, is you know, creating stuff down the line and seeing how you've changed and seeing how you've gotten better. Like I don't produce anything like that, but I'll make like fun videos for like vacations I go on or like experiences I have. And just seeing how like my style has evolved, et cetera, is 
the most rewarding part. Like I couldn't care less about the views or anything. Like just for myself, it's really, really cool to see how my styles changed or gotten better um, and adjustments I've made along the way. And I think you'll find something similar as you start putting more of these into production. And I, Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I've already seen like a big change in my writing over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Like, you can, uh, you'll definitely be able to tell the the quality has increased from like my very first post on my blog. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. I'm sure it's the same way with your podcast. Like you guys like listen to previous episodes and um, you're like, oh man, like why do I sound so fucking awkward here? And now like you guys are able to have like a flowing, free flowing conversation with either special guests or amongst yourselves about like anything. You know, so yeah, you definitely hit the nail on the head on that one. We have some unreleased episodes even <laughs> that are the most like awkward thing. And like maybe, you know, when we've made it big or something, we'll release those. But yeah, you're totally right. Like it, it's like anything where practice makes perfect or at least try to be perfect. So that's awesome that you found something that you're one passionate about and two like obviously making a lot of growth in and will continue to make growth. And so I'm excited to see the short. I think my last plea will be, you know, if you're looking for actors, leading, <laughs> leading wow. men, I, I'd like to pull myself out there. I'll do a casting call and we can, you know, get some stuff going. My agent can reach out. <laughs> your agent can reach out. Yeah. Who's your agent, Anton? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll get some headshots your way and then we can get some line reading and I think I'll really sell you. All right. All right. I'll definitely keep it, uh, keep it on top of my mind. Okay. That's, that's amazing. Um, okay. Let's just jump into like the last, um, thing that I heard you talk about. That's another big part of your life. Um, I think you're doing a lot of climbing now, so you want to kind of intro to how you got into that and, um, where that is in your life and kind of some of your goals maybe. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, where did I begin? So I, I started climbing in, in college. So one of my CS professors, he's a super dope guy. Shout out to Kerry Notchenberg. And this guy, uh, he, he's like very friendly with his students. And whenever he sees someone who's interested, he was like remotely interested in climbing, he'll remember it. And then reach out to you on Facebook and be like, hey, like come out with us this weekend to try climbing if you're down. And I'm like, you know what? Hell yeah, let's go. So I went outdoors with him the first couple of times and I, I was just hooked. You know, it was really fun um a bit like a bit creative because you got to figure out how to move your body the most it's very athletic because it's straight up just super hard physically to 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 climb and it's also a little bit of like um it's a great gateway it's a great like catalyst of going outdoors and exploring just like nature for like what it truly is you're like either walking through a forest or you're you're, like deep water swimming in a lake or you're like in the middle of this national park or like Climbing has definitely afforded me a lot of opportunities to go like see the world in a very different way. And like, that's one of like the more attractive parts of it to me. And I guess how, what I've been doing with it recently is like, uh, it's, it's pretty nice during the pandemic because it kind of forced you to go outdoors, sure. uh, just to keep up your, your level of skill. And yeah, like over the last year, I've been trying to go outdoors once, uh, at least twice a month, either to like a local park or I drive out somewhere a little longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Tahoe is a popular place anywhere like like Castle Rock State Park is a popular one in South Bay and there's a ton of ones like if you go north of the Golden Gate Bridge that you can where you can go climbing I've been like slowly like uh, slowly going through more and more of those and yeah it's just like I grab my gear I get my car I go outdoors I try to climb some hard-ass stuff <laughs> and yeah it's, it's great like <laughs> um it's super fun super super fun it also keeps me in shape 
uh, yeah, like it, I, I have no complaints about climbing. It is, it's just, it's awesome. What what kind of climbing are you actually doing? Is it like bouldering, or I I don't know much about climbing in general. Oh yeah, I'm mainly bouldering now. But when I started, I was doing a lot of like top roping and, and sport climbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, <clears throat> because like, especially with with uh, the fact that like you kind of got to do things more alone now. <laughs> uh, bouldering definitely op- like offers that flexibility where you just need to bring a couple of crash pads with you, throw it underneath the rock, and then you just climb. You know, so I, I do bouldering now mainly. So yeah, so that's the one where you have no ropes or anything. You just go, and then when you fall, you just land on the pads, right? Yeah, exactly. Is that is that mad painful? <laughs> yeah. No, it's not like you're falling on a rock or anything. You're you're falling on like a cushion. But aren't you like pretty far from the ground potentially? Uh, potentially, yeah. <laughs> so if you're like forty feet up, just don't fall. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's like I feel like the pads also aren't that big, right? Like, isn't it pretty easy to get kind of far from the pads where like if you fall, it's not super clear where you land? Uh, like. So when you place the pads, you think about, oh, like, what are the dangerous spots? Like, what do I need to cover up if I fall? Or if I if I swing out, out from the rock, what's, like, the projected, like, curvature of my of my fall, you know? And then you kind of... The trajectory. <laughs> yeah, the trajectory. You, know? you, like, you think about like, where you're going to fall and, like, put the pads there <laughs> as, like, a somewhat safety measure. But... Um, yeah, okay. like it, it really depends on the climb too. So you can you can go to climbs that need a lot more pads because it's either super long or it's like really overhung or there are a lot of like tricky sections. But you can you can also find a lot more like vertical stuff too or things that don't require too many pads or things that like <clears throat> are on the beach so you can just fall in the sand. Like I don't I don't know. There's a lot of examples for things where you don't need as much protection. Okay. Um, Two questions yeah. I have for you. One, since we were talking about like the dangers of falling um what do you think is like the highest off the ground you've ever been and then have you ever had like a oh shit moment where like you're stuck somewhere and you don't want to fall but you also can't get down or up like (laughs) all the time dude for both (laughs) um highest ever been maybe like 50 feet oh my god with like no harness or anything right uh yeah like (laughs) maybe i I don't know it was it was really high okay I was doing like a low grade highball and those things are more like a fear factor type thing. Yeah. It sounds like it, (laughs) but like, you know, you can do all the moves and you know, you're like, you're physically capable of doing it. It's just like the mental aspect that you got to keep in check. Okay. And then, um, yeah, like there are definitely moments where I'm like, ah, shit. Like there's only one option. The option is up, but I I have taken my fair share of falls from pretty sketchy places. Yeah. Can you share like a, a a scary story where, your your most riskiest fall or anything like that riskiest fall uh oh yeah this was pretty recent um so end of may i went to i did a like a 10-day solo trip in red rocks uh red rocks nevada like red rocks canyon in nevada uh it's a state park close to close to the las vegas strip wait sorry sorry to interrupt but when you say solo trip does that mean you went alone yeah i drove from san francisco alone down to Las Vegas for, and I lived by myself in this like little Mexican themed Airbnb. Oh, wow. Okay. Second question before you continue, are there other people like at these rocks you're choosing to go to, or are you also alone? Like when you're actually bouldering? Uh, both like some, like the, the park's really big. So they're popular spots to go to. And there are other more like 
not so popular areas. Gotcha. So, if you go during the weekdays, uh, you won't find as many people, but on the weekends, you definitely will. And you like on the weekends, you're def- you're out there climbing with other homies. Like there's, it's like, it's like a squad pulls up to like these <laughs> boulders, and you just like work on the boulders together. It's great. And then yeah. another stupid question, probably. Um, there's definitely like just designated areas within the park, right? It's not just free reign. Uh, it's it's more so free reign. Like oh, okay. <laughs> when you go out and kind of climb things, like the borders are scattered, but there are like there are trails and stuff that you you got you can walk down. Gotcha. Okay, please continue then. <laughs> yeah. So this sketchy one is like <clears throat> it was just um uh yeah I, I, on this trip recently um I wanted to do this climb called Fountainhead. And Fountainhead is in this place called uh, what was it called G- Gateway Canyon, uh, just a part of the part a part of the park. And <clears throat> this thing is about like 20, 25 feet up. Like, like I'll say closer to twenty feet. But the uh, when you top out, you kind of gotta like almost beach well on this really sh- like really rounded uh, face on the top. <clears throat> and I went al- dead at night alone. Um, it, it definitely, it's definitely a climb where you need multiple people to spot you, but, um, I brought my pads out. I dug out a few more that, um, were stashed away in like in, in the Canyon. And then, um, I, I just climbed it. And when I was up there, since you're like, you're like leaning over this pretty much like flat, not, no, no, like obvious holds face. You're like the top out is really sketchy. And then when you look down, it's like a, just a straight fall down and the, the, it doesn't look too comfortable either. Um, and in, in the moment, like you can't just fall, like, cause there's no one there to, to spot you if you fall the wrong way. So I'm like, shit, dude, I, I gotta get, I gotta get it together and get myself to the top. <laughs> so that was one of the most like exhilarating climbs I've ever done. But I think if my foot had slipped or if I just like didn't catch the last hold, uh, with all my might, then I definitely might have eaten it. <laughs> wow, I have so many questions. So, yeah, one, too. <laughs> why is going to the top like the sa- like the savior of the climb? Oh, that's how you do the climb, you know. <laughs> but like, I mean, like, doesn't that mean like coming down it's going to be like just as difficult? Oh no! So you can you can exit the another side of the boulder. So there's just like a part where you can walk down. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay. And th- wait, so so you said you had like there were some pads like <laughs> hidden in the canyon. What does that mean? Oh yeah, there's so when you go out to really far out places, so to even get there, you gotta go, you gotta like drive down this hella hella rocky ass road. And my coupe took a lot of damage, but <laughs> we somehow made it there. And then you gotta walk in like thirty minutes into the canyon. It's a really beautiful hike, but once you get in there, and then you gotta like since you don't want to bring all these pads back and forth to your car. So people just leave it there in like hidden caves that like the, <laughs> that the, the climbers there know about. So you kind of, so you, you just find a bunch of pads and bring them to wherever you want. <laughs> so I was like for another half an hour, I was like, it was, it was the dead. It was like 9 PM. It was dark as hell. And my buddy has sent me this photo of the cave, but he didn't even tell me where it is. Like, <laughs> dude, this, this kind of screwed me. So I was rummaging around the, the fucking like, shrubbery for a good 20 30 minutes trying to find it <laughs> and eventually I, I was so lucky that i did and there was like six or six to eight pads there i, t- I took a few of them brought them over to the to the boulder set them up set up my lights and everything and then i, d- I just climbed okay so that that leads into my next question why did you have to go at night 
oh yeah so one i worked during the day and two it's too hot ah. so this climb especially is pretty friction dependent okay and like the hotter it is the the faster your fingers sweat or your hands sweat and that's no good you know you, you want as much friction especially at that scary top out um <laughs> yeah you need as much friction as possible wow okay yeah i didn't I, that wasn't even on my mind <laughs> you're like hand sweating that's crazy oh, so i one of the the coolest parts about it that i took away it sounds like is it's one of those activities where you can like see a bunch of different places um and a lot of cool environments from what it sounds like so two questions then to follow up on that what's the coolest place you've been to boulder and then where's like a bucket list um boulder place somewhere around the world that looks really cool dude too many bucket list places man too many but uh the, what's the coolest place i think that black like red rocks is really cool um just like gateway canyon in particular it's really gorgeous because once i got back down i was just like laying on my crash pads and turn up all the lights and just had like the almost full moon illuminate the entire canyon cool. and I, I think like the fact that i sent such an exhilarating climb and it was just like a re- it was a really big moment for me and i guess my climb or just like in my life just to be there like go on a solo trip succeed in my goals like that it all kind of came together so that was one thing i remember remember uh-huh. um, another there are a lot of really cool places uh, i'll say like Places north of the bay, uh, north of the north, north of the Golden Gate Bridge are really, really beautiful. Uh, just like some beachside bouldering. I, I, another cool place was in, is in Austin, Texas, where me and some friends did, did deep water soloing, where you like, climb a riverbank, legit a river, like a tall ass riverbank over this lake. <laughs> and then if you fall, you just fall into the water. So it's pretty safe. Wow, that um, sounds pretty nice, honestly. That's yeah, awesome. it was super cool. <clears throat> and then... I guess the another, a unique one was, <clears throat> sorry, uh, a, unique, a unique one was this bouldering gym in, in uh, this climbing gym in Sweden, where there's this uh, really popular rock climbing YouTuber who I really who was like whose videos I, I started watching when I when I first started climbing, uh-huh. and I was like big. I still am a big fan of them, like their 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 channel. And <clears throat> after I graduated, I, uh, I did I took a year uh, a three weeks to go around Europe, and I spent one day in Stockholm just to visit that gym. Just to visit, just to see if, uh, if I can meet that guy. The off chance that he was actually there when I when I went to the gym, and he was. So that's I think that's actually the coolest place I've been to. Just that that gym. Wow! So going yeah, to Sweden. For, I know you were already there, but going to Sweden for that gym is that's crazy. That sounds awesome. That like really like follows what I was saying about it's one of those activities where you get to like go do cool things. So. It sounds like there's a lot of bucket list places, maybe like top three or just any three, just to like get a feel. I'm curious where else like you can go do this. Oh, for sure. Number one, uh, actually in no particular order because they're all amazing spots. Okay. But one of them is uh, this place called Magic Woods in Switzerland. Wow. Um, that's up there. Okay. Uh, huh. The Gramptons in South Africa. I, I think that's South Africa. I'm like looking up all these places as you're speaking. Um, Maybe not uh, South Africa bouldering. I forgot what the area is called. Oh, Rocklands. That place is super sick. It's just really, really aesthetic lines. And those two places is like really top of mind. And then I think like a handful of places around around the U.S. Because like Colorado is awesome bouldering. Uh, Joe's Valley in Utah. 
Um, I want to go climb more in, uh, in Bishop. I've already been in Bishop, but I want to go back there because it's just, it's like a bordering Mecca of the world. Oh, also like the, the French one. So like Fountain Blue is amazing as well. Wow, I got I got a bunch of places. I found the booze in, in, in like two hours south of Paris. Wait, so so what makes these places so good? Is it like the actual bouldering? There's like a lot of options, or it's like really challenging, or like it's like a really cool environment. Like what 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 makes it so good? Yeah, all of the above. There's no like empirical formula to say, oh yeah, it's like ten percent hard problems plus that makes this area really nice. It's like so. I think a lot of climbers are very similar. It's like when I think about like a line something i want to do so i think about like oh like what's what's the area that we're going to be in and for example like magic woods is a good balance of like forest and some really cool looking like rivers and creeks and a little a bit of a bit of like mountain terrain as well so these these boulders are located in really really beautiful places and the next thing is, is the boulder itself so what kind of what kind of climbing you're going to be doing so one is like is the rock really good or is it um like it's like the rock the movement um like the community like all like all these aspects kind of come together to make a place really nice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um okay well i, I have two two questions and tyler <laughs> yeah. y- y- i'm sure you have more questions um so i think like anyone who knows like probably very little about climbing knows who a- alex honnold is right uh-huh. so if i were to like say who's like the goat of like climbing i would say him just because that's the only person i know is there <laughs> is there actually is he actually good or is he kind of like overrated and is there someone like that you think is better or like you you like more? Like the people ask me that all the time, and I'm like, what I tell them, I, I think Alex Hanna has the biggest balls in the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> like this dude just <laughs> holy shit, he sends it. <laughs> like the stuff that he does. So like uh, when he did when he did the free rider route on El Capitan, mm-hmm. um, that's like objectively not the hardest climbing. There are, there are much, much harder routes actually on that face than the one that he free soloed. But the fact that it's just like so daredevilish and he has like a broken ass amygdala so he can't feel fear. <laughs> is, that, is that actually a thing? Doesn't he have? Yeah, he needs, like, he needs like a magnitude more stimulus to feel fear than the average person. Oh, I didn't. Like I, scientifically? Yeah, scientifically. So in the documentary, he he like goes to see the doctor and it's like the doctor's like, yeah, dude, your amygdala's busted. Wow! <laughs> wow! I watched the documentary. I guess I missed that part. Yeah, it's a it's a very small scene, like three minutes or something. Uh-huh. Like, wow! Yeah, he talks about it in there. And, yeah, but I wouldn't call him like the strongest climber. He he just has the biggest balls. Okay. Okay. He, he has some meaty fingers. Yeah, too. his he's got some sausage. Yeah, like. Uh, all the top climbers kind of look like that too. So. <laughs> okay, but so he does—he does like big wall stuff. So I guess they're meatier than your average climber. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, if, if we want to know uh, the, the top climbers, top top, uh, the best climber in the world is probably this guy named Adam Andra, this mm-hmm. uh, this Czech dude. <clears throat> and yeah, he's he has um, he established the the hardest sport route in the world. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah that dude is strong like <laughs> and he's good at every single discipline he's good at bouldering he's good at lead climbing he's good he can do crack climbing he can do trad he can do he can do it all like that dude is the most versatile like multidisciplinary climber out there right now all right i'm gonna I'm watch some videos of his um, yeah he has, a, he has a youtube channel where he posts weekly about things that he does okay and perfect perfect the production quality is really high so i i really enjoy him yeah okay and then my second question kind of unrelated 
I I personally think like climbing is kind of cool. Like I hit the like the YMCA like <laughs> w- w- uh, wall sometimes. Um, if I wanted to like get into bouldering, like what are some like ways to to start as a beginner? Yo, honestly, it's super easy. Like just go to a gym, get a pair of shoes, get some chalk, and you're just ready to go. Like that's that's the beauty of climbing. Like anyone can do it at any time, or I mean like any time at any gym. Like outdoors, indoors. Uh, you just need some shoes and you just need like some chalk and then you're, you're, you're off to the races, man. So, so you'd say like an indoor gym is probably better or like I can actually start just like outside somewhere and I just get the pads too. And I just, uh, fall it, it, it definitely a little more friendly because you have a lot of options there. Like you have, um, <clears throat> if you go outdoors, it, it's kind of hard to maneuver from climb to climb sometimes depending on the area you go. So if you go indoors, you have like so many options or everyone's like super friendly at the gym. Like one thing I really like respect about the climbing community is how, how supportive it is. Like, like er, er, you're just looking out for each other. Like, especially in the gyms where you see the same people, like t- er, whenever you go, you're like, Oh shit. Like, let's go climb something. Let's go like work on this, work on this route. Or like, what are you doing to train? And like, let's like cheer you on when you're climbing really, really hard. And it, it's just a really good experience. Mm-hmm. So within the community is, what is the like learning methods? Like do people have like coaches or is it all like community based and people are just so like supportive and helpful? That's how you get better. Or is it like, do you want to go home and watch YouTube and that's helpful? Or like, what's the primary way people like go from zero to climbing so easily? Yeah. It depends on your level really. So if you, if you want, if you start from zero, it's just like, um, just go climb, you know, like the only way you're going to learn is by like, figuring out, figuring out how your body works and figuring out just like, uh, just getting stronger from like a very fundamental level. Sure. But then once you get to the higher, higher, uh, grades, then you got to start doing some more specific training. So like a lot of people who, who I climb with, we all have, um, like our own training routines that we do and we all have these like specific goals and how do we like improve our weaknesses and, and whatnot. And then at the professional level, you have like climbing teams and you have coaches and all that. Gotcha. Okay. That's that's pretty cool. It it's also sounds like one of those great activities that has like a really strong and robust community because it's not the biggest or most popular. So that's always appealing. Um, I guess my last question is: last time I video chatted with you, I saw you had like pretty standard pull up bar. What does like cross training look like for climbing? Yeah, it depends on like what you de- depends on like what area of climbing you want to get better at. So okay, I have this like small portable like hangboard that i loop over my pull-up bar to train my fingers sure and so they're like the training the training routine comes and goes like it's very cyclical so in the beginning of let's say like you have a trip in six months and you want to like get as fit as possible for that trip like you start off by building your base by doing like if you're training your fingers do a lot of like um like endurance related stuff so you want to hang for as long as possible and then and then slowly as you get closer to the trip or when you start to like hone in your skills, then you add more and more power towards like the, the end of the cycle. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you can see like a progression uh, over the over the entire like four or six months that you're training for. Um, so, yeah, it's like cross training. You also do like there's honestly not too much cross training. Like you, you do pull ups for just like sheer power. Uh-huh. I do like weighted pull ups usually. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it's mainly fingers and like movement. So I think maybe like yoga, stretching, uh, any like a core is like really, really important. Uh, stuff that trains your body tension, just, just like just all that stuff is 
necessary to improve, I'll say. Isn't flexibility super important also? That's what like, he said. He said maybe yoga and movement. Okay, yeah, but like, <laughs> how, isn't it really hard to train flexibility? Like, what do you, nah, what you, do, you do to train it? You just, you just stretch. <laughs> You sound is like it, a dumbass. Is that it? You just, you just stretch more? Because, like, don't you have to do, like, some, like, like, because you can't, you can't do that when you're starting out, at least, right? Like, there's some things that you just, like, physically can't achieve. I mean, everyone can, like, try to bend down and touch their toes. Like, <laughs> no, but, like, to get to, like, a certain level, you have to have, like, a certain level of flexibility. Is that right? Oh, no, no, no. Like, um, obviously, flexibility helps. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you, you, it's not you train them independently of each other, right? Like <laughs> over the course of the week, you should be stretching every single day. And then you climb maybe a few times a week. You do core a few times a week. You do, you train your fingers a few times a week. And then you do power like once, twice a week. Like, so your, your training is like, it's not like you just train like pull-ups for like two weeks straight and then you try something else. Like, no, <laughs> you, you do them all in tandem with each other. Do you think that there are like some aspects that like certain mm-hmm. people just like can't do or they have to like approach like a, a climb a different way because of like their limit, like their body limitations? Oh, absolutely. For example, like my fingers are, are probably not like, the strongest out there because like my strengths are more like power, tension, like compression related. Um, but my fingers are pretty weak. So <clears throat> my fingers and like my like uh, sense of movement needs work. So when I'm at the gym, when, when, when I have climbing days, I think about that a lot. I'm like, I'm either uh, I make sure to train my fingers very, very regularly. So I'm like bringing up the, the weakest part of my climbing. And then two, like I'm thinking about flow. I'm thinking about like, how can I move my body the, the most efficiently? And like some people are really good at that, but like they struggle with really hard, like powerful moves. Um, so like what they want, they want to train more like weighted pull-ups. They want to train more like, explosiveness, like things like that. And as long as you can identify where your weaknesses lie, you can work. You can work to rem- like remedy that. Is like sense. Of, did you say sense of movement? Is that what you said? Yeah, movement. Is that is that like creativity in terms of like, like what thing like what lines you kind of like come up with, or or what what do you mean by sense of movement? Yeah. So um, when for any given route, uh, yeah, yeah, for any given route, there's like a sequence like of of moves you got to do to get to the top. Like that's just very like a very high level but then when you do each move like some moves are going to be easier for you than others and like those easy moves for you are going to be hard for other people and vice versa the hard moves are going to be easier for other people but um at least for me for more like technical climbs technical means like very body position dependent or i need to move my foot a certain way or the move will be much easier if i like shift my weight or if i like swing my foot a certain way and I feel like I, I need to work on that, like being more instinctual and like it's like feeling what my how my body feels, I guess, like understanding how like my body moves. Um, yeah, that's so that that's like what movement is. Mm-hmm. So I have a question about when you're like looking up at a rock face. Do you is it like a strict plan on like where like what line or route you're going to take or is it all like creative based? Like once you get there, you just figure it out. Oh yeah. So the ones I do are all like established. So people have gone and done them before. Gotcha. And so you, you generally know before you go, like you watch beta videos or you like, Oh, beta is also, it's a climbing term. That means like the way you do the, like the moves, you know, it's just like the sequence. Sure. So a beta would be like, Oh, right hand up, left foot here, left hand up, like all that shit. So it's that like choreographed already, like most climbs. 
uh, to some degree. So, but everyone has different beta. Okay. So you, the route you you see like a select number of holds, but some routes like they force you to, to do the moves a certain way. But some routes you can break the beta and um, play to your strengths and get to the top however you want. Gotcha. Wow. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's super dynamic, and this is way more dynamic than I could have ever imagined. Everything from like how you plan your training all the way up to like how the routes are planned. That's that's super cool, and um, it's it's awesome that you found that during college. You know, yeah, definitely pretty fortunate. Like I was, because I stopped swimming in college, so I need, I want another sport that was uh, fun, and, but also like required a lot of strength like it needed me to be fit sure you know, i could have just easily gone and like did some like ping pong or something like that <laughs> that doesn't require much like power sure. but i want to be able to run jump like keep my body in peak physical condition and climbing is definitely definitely affords that yeah do you think you or i guess why did you move away from swimming i know you were pretty involved in it through high school and it's just a lot of overhead, you know. You gotta like go to the pool. Yeah. You gotta like get in and get wet every day. Like it's kind of a hassle. <laughs> For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Not to say swimming is bad. It's still like I still think it's like one of the greatest, most efficient forms of exercise, and everyone should swim when they when they get the chance. But um, yeah, climbing is just so fun. Like, no, yeah, it sounds like a great time. And I was just gonna say, yeah, swimming is like the pinnacle of treating your body like a temple. Like it's aerobic and muscular or it works like your muscles and it's it's crazy how full body is yeah that wasn't said but... anaerobic that... I, yeah i mean that's not really what i was going for but okay yeah that was said poorly but okay well that's cool um you know i looking at the time now we're we're wrapping up kind of did you have any questions for us and it's totally okay if you don't um and then we can ask you kind of our finishing guest question that we ask all our guests Dude, I don't even, I, I didn't realize it was just going to be like an interview about me pretty much, but I thought this was going to be like, there's, I know like other episodes you have these like topics that you bring up and I thought it was gonna be more like discussion about that. Like, if, like, do you guys have like ideas like that plan? So it, you know, it differs on the episode and we kind of like to go with the flow. I think, um, personally I'll speak for myself. I was like, I was so intrigued and interested in, um, what you were up to because we hadn't caught up recently and I kind of got a preview of that when we talked before this like a month ago so that's why it ended up being more like an interview style I'm yeah <laughs> same same for me you just had so many like new interesting things that we hadn't really talked about so I think we really wanted to cover those very much in depth dude hell yeah I'm, I'm always willing to share like what's going on in my life I do want to hear about what's going on in your guys's life too like how is Hawaii and all that but we, we can we can punt that to another time yeah, we'll have you on again and we can do a, a round two. Yeah, I think I think so. Another part of it is, you know, we're always trying new things. And honestly, I think we're far from perfecting how to have guests. And I look to people like Joe Rogan a lot and just see how well he handles that. So we're always practicing having guests. And for us, you know, the interview style that you mentioned is actually something very different. And you're totally right. Usually we have a lot more discussion. So I think it'd be great to have you back on and we can do a little more um that style and see how that flows too. And I think that would be great too, because we love doing that too. Just some fun prompts, just some serious topics. Um, we kind of like covering the the full spread. So we'll definitely have you back on um, for one of those episodes. And yeah, sorry, we kind of threw you under the <laughs> bus to talk about all your passion projects, but it, honestly, it was just like so interesting. And I think I don't know a lot of people in some of them. So I was like super curious and excited to hear about it. And it's, 
you seem to have like a lot of really um, passionate or things that you are passionate about. So keep doing Absolutely. That. always willing to share, bro. Always willing. Cool. Um, so the question we ask all our guests at the end um, and like, don't feel too on the spot. You can kind of say anything, but um, <laughs> we always ask, is there anything you'd like us to change or something that you'd like to see more of or less of? Um, in our podcasting with or without guests, just anything that comes to mind? Uh, to, to be honest, I'm not, I haven't watched or listened to every single podcast, so I can't give like a full comprehensive analysis. But like, I'm going to fix that, you know, for all the listeners out there. This is definitely one of the better podcasts out there. <laughs> we appreciate uh, that. But um, change. Huh. <laughs> or just like start doing if there's any like ideas that you had that you think might be like fun or cool to do. Honestly, the, the, reason, why, the reason why I like enjoy listening to this podcast is like of how just like natural it is. And there's no like, there's no like emphasis on the trends or there's no like, oh, like I'll do this just to get more views. It's very like, it's very genuine. So if anything, I'll just say to keep that up and not change too much because if I say like, if I, if I give you too much direction, then I, I don't want to like influence one way or the other, but I, that's great feedback. And, and we, I think appreciate hearing that a lot. I think, you know, we, we started doing this for ourselves. So um, if we're coming across genuine and authentic, um, then I think we've achieved a lot of our goals. So um, we're really happy to hear that. And thank you so much for coming on, putting up with all our questions and, um, just being an overall great guest and we'll have to have you back on any party oh, words. Here, man. Your pleasure was all mine. Thank you for, thank you for putting me on. Of course. That was episode 36 of why Are we still awake. We'll catch you guys soon. Have a good one. Bye.